Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates. We have all skaters accounted for this afternoon on Saturday, May the 21st, a beautiful weekend here in Massachusetts. Of course, uh, weather's always nice over in in Cali and Texas for, for Hales and Mike, but I do have Haley, Lauren, and Mike with me. How's everyone doing this week? Doing great. And in this area, Mark, we finally get some really hot weather, but it's been going to be a nice change from the fifties we had this week. Oh, absolutely. We are, we are actually a little overcasty this weekend. It's um, they call it gray may out in, out in Southern California. So it's funny when it when it starts getting really nice where y'all are at, we kind of get our our overcast. Oh, my heart bleeds for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good. It is pretty nice weather in Texas right now, but it's supposed to rain literally like every day next week. So I'm going to try to soak up some school time this weekend. Absolutely, it is a it's been a great uh, great week for Hales. I'm sure she'll uh, she'll let everyone know why. But uh, yeah, enjoy the pool. Absolutely. Uh, So stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And for our opening face-off, I'll I'll go right back over to Lauren first. Uh, Any primary thoughts here as we kick off this weekend episode? We're in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, some great games, some uh, a lot of goals being scored in Alberta. Uh, what's uh, what's on your mind, Lauren? Uh, just as just much like last week, a lot of fun hockey. Here we go, saying fun again. But uh, I was watching some of the Hurricanes Rangers game Friday, and even that series, even though the Hurricanes are up to nothing, I'm just having so much much fun just watching the Rangers just keep pace with them because so many people were like, this is going to be a bloodbath. The Rangers are going to get molly and maybe they'll get swept, but they're, they're keeping these games close. They're keeping pace with the Rangers. And it makes me watch these, watch these other teams. And I was like, man, even if the Bruins did get out of the first round, they have so many questions to answer this off season that they, I just don't know if they could ever keep pace with some of these teams. Yeah, I, I will say if you're a fan of all different types of hockey, the contrast between uh, the Battle of Alberta with Oilers and, and Flames and the Rangers Hurricane series, I think the Rangers and Hurricanes have scored as many goals in the first two games entirely as like the first period of uh, Flames Oilers in game one. Like <laughs> a lot of goals in that series, very few, a lot of great goaltending between Ranta and, um, and our, our good buddy uh, Igor over there in, in that series. But yeah, uh, it's, it's been very interesting. And like Lauren said, lots of fun. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Any thoughts as we kick off this episode? I'm, like try, I'm trying to decide between a couple of things here. Um, what the heck was I even going to say? Um, all right, well, I'm just going to give a shout out again to my two good friends over in Europe playing together back again on the ice, uh, David Pasternak and David Krejci playing hockey together, watching the clips on Twitter has just been um, like almost bringing a tear to my eyes, seeing my two good friends uh, (laughs) skating together, scoring goals, um, you know, great passing back and forth. So um, come back to Boston, please. Yeah, it's the jokes that people are telling on Twitter are a real twist of the knife for Bruins fans. The, oh yeah, Oh, uh, Krejci to Pasternak. Wouldn't this be great to see uh, uh, on uh, on the uh, an NHL ice surface? Yeah, we know. We know. Krejci's gone. Pasta's, of course, still here, but uh, his status beyond next season is in doubt until uh, the Bruins can get an extension done with him. Uh, so will David Krejci come back? I, In my heart of hearts, I, I want to say yes, but we'll have to see what happens. But it is cool to see uh, the two of them uh, play uh, on the same line there at the Worlds and, and look great. And then again for Bruins fans uh, who are still grieving over the loss to the Hurricanes, you got a goalie hug. Uh, Swaymark did their uh, their hug today, uh, <laughs> opposing teams, uh, but they did their pregame hug, so that was uh, that was really cool. Um, but yeah, lots of uh, lots of you know great hockey being played overseas in addition to uh, you know to here domestically, absolutely. 
Hales, about yourself, uh, are any opening face-off from you as we start off this episode? Yeah, so a few things. First, uh, I think last episode was probably the first time that work has gotten in the middle of a podcast, which is pretty crazy if you think about how long we've been podcasting for. So, stupid work. But uh, work's been a little freaking nuts lately. As I got woken up at 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. this morning, very fun. Um, but the second one is that I am officially divorced. I am so excited to say that. So don't say you're sorry. Please say congratulations. It is done with officially. And I have an appointment, not this coming Monday, but the next Monday to get my name changed back on my driver's license. So that'll feel even better. We are so, so happy for Haley. Like she pointed out, sometimes it's a, it's not a, oh, my, you know, my condolences. Sometimes it's a, hey, congratulations. Uh, and uh, in Haley's case, uh, it is definitely a congratulatory moment. So um, we're very happy for her um, and uh, this next chapter in her life. Absolutely. Uh, as for myself, my opening face-off, and I'm sure we will discuss this a little later in the episode as well, but I have to get out of the way. I just don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to do. The Tampa Bay Lightning have a horseshoe up their ass, like firmly up there. The luck that this team continues to have is unreal. Uh, they, they make it past the Maple Leafs. Thank God, by the way, because uh, I would have had some serious egg on my face, uh, you know, mocking the Maple Leafs in the title for last week's episode, only for them to then somehow win game seven, even though we knew that was never going to happen. That is the fate of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they will lose in the first round and have it be agonizing. Uh, but, you know, once that happened, then, you know, someone like myself and many people around uh, hockey fans whose teams are out, we're rooting hard for the Cats, you know, Florida Panthers. Let's let's see if you can uh, you, you, you can take out the two time defending champs and. The Lightning scored a game winning goal in game two with three point six seconds left in regulation. Like that, that makes me feel as a Bruins fan who was used to seeing the team give up uh, countless goals in the final minute of a period all year. That actually made me feel sorry for the, the Florida Panthers. I'm like, oh, that's, that's even worse. Like you give, you're like, okay, well, you know what? We're going to have to get ready for overtime. Send in your picks to Butchie Gross, uh, you know, get ready for, uh, for a heart palpitation throughout overtime. Oh no, we're actually going to lose in even more agonizing fashion in the, the closing seconds of the third period. So as we record this episode, Tampa is up two games to none. They're going to do it again. Like they're, they're going to go back to the conference final and they'll probably beat Carolina, even though Carolina, uh, you know, if they uh, continue to, to beat the Rangers, even though Carolina should theoretically beat them, they'll probably beat Carolina. Uh, the, the Avalanche are our only hope. The Colorado Avalanche, Lauren's Avs are our only hope at this moment because Anyone else, anyone short of Colorado is uh, Tampa's going to three-peat because nothing makes sense anymore. Their depth was gutted over the summer. Uh, they, the Bruins manhandled them this season. Uh, like the one year that the Bruins uh, probably could have taken out Tampa, they don't even get to play in the playoffs. Uh, I'm sorry I'm ranting right now. This is just supposed to be an opening face-off, but I, I don't know what to do anymore. Uh, so I, on one hand, my take about Florida not being built to, uh, to win in the playoffs from a, a, about a month ago is looking pretty good. But I would actually like that take to age poorly. Uh, like, I, I want them to win. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But uh, that's enough for, the, for this rant. Uh, I would love to, uh, to move on. Uh, and uh, again, anyone who's uh, a newer listener to the show um, knows that we have kind of switched formats here. So I want to go to Lauren first and have her kind of lead the discussion on a topic that she wants to cover for this week on our show. So it's kind of, I guess, a loaded topic or one topic with a lot of topics mixed in. So the Bruins had their end of year season media availability. They had their breakup day and people are going nuts and understandably so because Don Sweeney plans to get extended and Cam Neely wouldn't commit to Bruce Cassidy returning next season as the head coach. That doesn't mean he's not returning. Maybe they're trying to work out some sort of contract. They also, they had to figure out Don Sweeney's contract and it's Don Sweeney's call at the end of the day. So if he doesn't know his future, he's not going to talk to the, about the future of other front office employees. And of course, Mark, you, or Mike, you mentioned it with David Krejci. And now there's tons of questions surrounding him. Like, will he come back? Because he never said retire. He never filed retirement papers with the NHL. And I would, of course, I'd love to see 
Krejci come back. He's having great chemistry as the chemistry has clearly not been lost with Pashanak in the IHF World Championships. It's a lot of fun to see him continue to play at a high level. But he, like I, as much as I want to see him come back, he's not the the piece this team is missing. He's one of them, but he's one of many. This is like a hundred piece puzzle and he's like three of those pieces. Um, their secondary scoring is terrible. They need, somebody asked Cam Neely if they need a player like him. And I think that's what they've been missing for so long now is a player like him. It's not a David Krejci. Like, yes, he makes every team better, but you need that big power forward. You need somebody who's going to get physical. Trent Frederick isn't the answer. And Tomas Nosek is not the answer. And I'm, it's just, there's so many, so many ways the Bruins can go this season, but so much of their questions depend on what Patrice Bergeron will do. And I think Bruins fans will need to be patient. I don't think Bergeron is going to wait long to make his decision. He's going to win his fifth Selkie and then announce that he's coming back to the Bruins. That's just how it's going to go. But he, we know for a fact, he doesn't want to play anywhere else. He wants to play with the Bruins or he wants to retire. And for me, I, I think he's going to come back, but I think he is going to have tough conversations with Neely and Sweeney and be like, listen, I want another cup. I want to go out on top. I'm not coming back if you're not going to bring me that help. So they have a lot of decisions to make. And if Bergeron wants to come back, they need to hop on and ride at dawn and sign anyone that Bergeron wants, like let him make the signings. Because this window is, you can say it's closed. It's not sealed shut, but the Bruins have a very, very busy offseason ahead of them. We didn't get many answers from, from breakup day, but there's a lot of questions to face. As much as I want Krejci back, he's not the answer. He's Like I said, he's a missing piece, but he's not the answer. Will he help Bergeron come back? Probably. But the Bruins have way too many holes to, to try to get by for the next couple of years, especially if they don't want to go into a full rebuild. Very, very well said, Laura, and it's something that's on the minds of a lot of, of Bruins fans, especially. And can I ask this for uh, of Bruins fans, uh, you know, for those who are listening and, and, and just those in general, can you please stop reading into every single thing that is uh, put out there regarding Patrice Bergeron? All right, because people were falling for, you know, Tony Amante, fantastic hockey player in his day. Uh, but now he's, you know, one of these guys who goes on shows and just kind of puts stuff out there for clicks and headlines. Um, I don't like that, that so much of sports media has morphed into that uh, these days. We need more people like Lauren who just cover, uh, you know, cover the, the, the teams and, and put out great stories. Uh, but, you know, Tony Amante goes on, uh, on a, a show in, in, in Boston that was playing locally and just goes, you know, I'm hearing some chatter. A lot of people, Lincoln Bergeron to the Montreal Canadians, you know, he, uh, he grew up watching them. False. Uh, Patrice Bergeron has stated on multiple occasions that uh, he was a Quebec Nordiques fan growing up, a team that no longer exists. But at the time he was growing up watching hockey, they did. Uh, and, oh, well, you know, his agent is the, G, uh, is, is the GM there now. Okay, that still doesn't mean anything. Uh, just think in general. Why would Patrice Bergeron, who thinks that he might have a year or two left or zero, as we uh, were waiting to hear back from him on, want to go to a rebuilding team, uh, you know, when ideally the reason to come back is, can I win one more cup? Uh, I know that the Canadians went to a cup final more recently than the Bruins did, but that was the fluke of all flukes in a COVID stained season. So please just stop reading into Anything that uh, is put out there about Patrice Bergeron, because as someone who does not know him personally, but actually reads and listens to the things that he says, he genuinely doesn't know. He does not know what he wants to do. He, like Lauren pointed out, probably wants to get a sense from the team. Okay, I think I got one more run in me, but what, are, what is your plan? I think, uh, I think that if he likes the answer to that, he's back. If he thinks he has one more run in him, but he thinks that uh, they might be tearing things down for a rebuild, he doesn't want to go through that. Uh, I think that he, I read something from uh, Fluto Shinzawa who said that Bergeron was very, very impacted by Mark Recchi's uh, going out on top moment with the Bruins. I think that's what he would love. I would think he would love to do that. I would love for the Bruins to give him that. So like Lauren mentioned, there, is, there are a lot of questions with them this off season and uh, they do have some creative ways they can create some cap space. Um, unfortunately, you know, I think the world of Nick Felino as a person, 
Uh, as a player, he is someone who does not have a place on this team anymore. They can create some cap space uh, moving him. Like Lauren said, Trent Frederick, also not the answer. There are a lot of ways Boston can create some space to bring in some impact scoring, and that's what they really need to do. Mike, I'd love to get your your feedback on uh, on what Lauren has put out there as well. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. You all are very well plugged into this squad, and I think that it's uh, um, I think it you nailed it on the head. There's not really much I could add to it. I think that they have they're not in full tear down rebuild mode. Um, I think that the Bergeron decision is obviously going to affect. A lot of things it could affect whether uh, Butch comes back, you know, if, if Bergeron leaves, then you're kind of in a, a more difficult situation. Maybe you do tear it down a little bit more and you don't bring back the head coach and you, um, you go into a, a slightly left, less soft rebuild. Um, but you're right. I mean, you need that impact first line scorer. You need some, you need some toughness. You need a Cam Neely. Yeah. I mean, like, um, you're set, you know, you have, you have your, your top pair on the defense set and ready to go for years into the future. You have um, Marshawn, you have Pasternak, at least for now um, you have goaltending seems like it's probably going to be set. You just need what we've needed for so long, which is, you know, depth scoring and you're going to need a, a, a top line center again, because obviously Bergeron, if he comes back for a year, two years, you know, one year contracts, um, he's not the long-term answer. So you need to, um, you know, you need to build something and kind of build on the fly. So, um, but I, I think that the points that you all made were all fantastic as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, Mike. If you're, if you're Boston, regardless of what Bergeron decides, you know that he's going to, if he comes back, it's only going to be for a year, maybe two at the most. So this is really the time you go out and you get a, a number one center. A number one center who listen, if it's there are worse things in this world than saying, hey, we're going to pay you number one center money. You're going to actually center our second line. But that second line is comprised of Taylor Hall and David Pasternak. Uh, that's not a second line. That's a top line. Uh, that uh, That's a second line in name only. So uh, I don't know if the Bruins are fans of paying Nazem Kadri. I personally am not. Uh, but, you know, you could also acquire a number one center by trade, but, you know, they need to do that now because, you know, in theory, if Bergeron does come back, it could be for, uh, you know, less money. Uh, you know, I think for him, he would prioritize, do I have a strong core here to make one more run as opposed to trying to squeeze another you know million or two out of the, out of the Bruins. So they could pick up a, a number one center, have him set, uh, center that second line. And then, you know, one, once Bergeron is gone, I'm just going to talk as if he's coming back because I'm a positive person. I'm putting that into the world. When Bergeron retires in like 2024, uh, that uh, <laughs> that's when uh, you know said person could center that first line. But uh, I think Boston needs to get an extension done with David Pasternak uh, this offseason. Don't have that hanging over your head. Uh, that could play into Bergeron's decision too. Okay, you're going to bring uh, bring this guy back, uh, you know, on a eight year deal. Perfect. That's the first big step. But yeah, you know, they they need to pick up a player who ironically enough, you know, Mike and Lauren, you both kind of pointed out the, the Neely type player. Young Milan Lucic was probably the last player they had in that caliber where a guy who could score 30 goals, be very physical. Um, you know, obviously his play dipped off to the point where he was, he was moved, but that's the type of player uh, they really could use. And as much as I stand him, uh, Nick Ritchie was not that guy. Uh, so <laughs> a lot of uh, questions ahead for Boston. Hales, uh, I know that um, you know Boston is your second team uh, and a team that if uh, Philadelphia is going through a, uh, a rebuild, you know, you're going to be looking for the Bruins to be competing for the next few years. So uh, do you think Patrice Bergeron comes back? Uh, you know, just uh, just someone who loves watching him play. What does your heart tell you? You think he's going to make one more run at it? I think he is, uh, but I just want the fans to be supportive if he doesn't. Like, let's not be assholes for somebody's decision to retire if he does. But I don't know. I don't feel like he seems like he wants to be done. So it'll be interesting to see. But I just hope that as shitty as fans can be on the Internet, that we are also very supportive of someone's decision. And I'm sorry if the background noise is really uh, loud when I'm on the highway right now. No, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, I think it's a great point, Hales. In the case of Bergeron, I will say the chances of Bruins fans uh, targeting him 
are very low. If he decides to retire, their vitriol will 1000% be directed towards Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, uh, <laughs> uh, which I think is, uh, I, I think vitriol is, uh, is something that, that shouldn't happen either way. But uh, I will, uh, I will say that I think the chances of someone targeting Patrice Bergeron uh, are very low. So, uh, you know, he, uh, the frustration that Bruins fans uh, will have, I mean, it's already starting to be directed towards Don Sweeney and, and Cam Neely and people saying like, Oh my God, management failed this guy. How can you only get him, uh, you know, one cup? Well, they, they did go to two more, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out, but you know, if they win those other two cups in 2013 and 2019 is the rhetoric different. It's worth, it's worth wondering. Uh, Mike, I would love to, uh, to head your way next um, to, you know, to see what topic you'd like to steer uh, the discussion on today. Yeah, and so this isn't a new topic. We've talked about it every time this team has come up, but I am just continually frustrated with the Edmonton Oilers for not getting that core a goalie or any defensive help. Now, they have the most talented hockey player on the planet right now who is literally doing it all himself. The goal he scored last night uh, after one of the goals was disallowed. I've been, you know, spoiled by being able to watch the battle of Alberta. Um, he just can do everything. He's an absolute magician with the puck on his stick. And he, and they're, they're playing against the Calgary flames and they're giving up nine goals a game. Um, I mean, how, how much of a come up was this for Calgary after having to deal with Jake Ottinger for seven games against Dallas kids standing on his head that that game seven goalie performance from Ottinger was absolutely ridiculous like I was in awe watching that game and then they go to Edmonton this team that should have they should be in the conference finals at least every year with the the core that they have adding Evander Kane if we want to talk about one of those power forward guys who can score 30 goals for you um I'm not saying the Bruins should get them. I'm just saying that's the kind of guy you're talking about, right? A guy who's going to mix it up, who's going to, um, who's uh, Haley's mouthing no as I'm saying, as I'm talking <laughs> about Commander Kid. But you know, that's a team that they're 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 obviously making moves to try to win, but they are completely ignoring the fact that Mike Smith sucks. All right, he's not a, he's not a championship goaltender, and I'm sorry, I'm not. You know, I have nothing against him personally, but. Koskinen and Smith are not going to win you a Stanley cup. Um, you look at, you look at all sports, you look across like the, one of the main reasons why Tampa Bay is where they are now is because Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender on the planet. And in every single series and every single game, he can steal you a win. And it happens in, you know, I mean, the, look at the Celtics right now, they're winning because they shut teams down on, on, defense tom brady won a super bowl the other a couple years ago because his defense shut down the best quarterback you know the up-and-coming best quarterback in in um mahomes so like you need defense to win championships you need pitching in baseball you need defense and goaltending in hockey and it's just so frustrating that Connor mcdavid is just going to get wasted out there in, in edmonton until he's 30 something years old and finally decides to to move on so Damn you, Edmonton. Yeah, I'll, there's a lot to unpack here, uh, but yeah, it's just yeah. Mike was uh, was not happy last night uh, in our chat, just saying like, "Oh my God, Mike Smith sucks." Like it, 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 uh, it he's given up uh, six goals in the first two games, but the disclaimer there: uh, it's only four periods of play, actually three and a half periods of play. Like he last, lasted five minutes uh, of like of game one he gave up three goals on nine shots before he was replaced in a game that wound up being nine to six in favor of calgary uh you know stopped 37 out of 40 shots last night so a very a passable performance for sure last night but uh yeah the fact that that he is still starting games like you know two three years later for this oilers team is just unacceptable and you know it is easier said than done. Like, Oh, just, you know, pick up a franchise goalie. Like no one's saying that they need to have a Vasilevsky. Uh, but you know, to Mike's point, when the reason why Tampa has that success is you have a outstanding goaltender in net. But if you, if you are, you know, a, a team like Edmonton, there were a number of occasions where Marc-Andre Fleury was available and, you know, both in Vegas's case or uh, Chicago's this year, they're willing to retain some salary. You could have 
found a veteran goalie who gave you a much better chance to win and you just haven't done it. I just, I, it's very strange. And it, I'm glad you brought up uh, Ottinger too, Mike, because uh, that series uh, in the first round, Dallas Calgary, that was a coming out party for Ottinger uh, 64 saves in game seven. Um, you know, we, we brought up, uh, Igor having a 70, 70 something saves in uh, that triple OT game against the penguins in game one, but yeah, same deal where if I make 64 saves and you can't, uh, muster up a game winner, like you got to carry my pads out of the locker room. Like you, like you, uh, you have to do something for me, but going from that first round where Calgary had to be so frustrated, they just could not get pucks past Jake Ottinger. And you go to the second round now and you're facing uh, Koskinen and Smith. It must look like uh, like the goalie must look like twice the size. Like it must look like you're shooting at a, at like a practice net. Uh, Like it's just that they have 12 goals through the first two games. And really it's just, okay, we know that uh, they're not going to stop us from scoring. Can we somehow limit Connor McDavid? Uh, The answer so far has been no. But uh, yeah, he's got 20 points so far in the playoffs. That's just unreal. Uh, so it, it, but it is going to be a failure when they inevitably lose this series. It is tied one, one right now. They're going to lose this series because they just cannot stop goals from going in on their own net. Lauren, what have you made of you know this whole situation in Edmonton? And I think it's miraculous that they're tied one, one right now. It, it is miraculous. And to Mike's point, I just don't understand why you're not building around McDavid like you like he's incredible at what he does he's an absolute cheat code and he may if he continues on this path and wants to stay with Edmonton for the the entirety of his career and Edmonton keeps going on this path he may never win a Stanley Cup and that would just be a shame to watch watch that happen and watch that talent I don't necessarily want to say go to waste but I mean he does he carries his team on his back and like why one person is not going to win you a cup. Why aren't you building around him? Why aren't you getting the help that he, that he needs? He probably wants, I would hate for the situation to get messy and for him to try to force his way from the Oilers. But in my mind, I know I'm not a professional coach, but you have the best player in the world on your roster. He wants to be there. Why aren't you doing everything in the world to try to keep him there, make him happy? Yeah. And, uh, we also, uh, we'd be remiss to mention that they, they have another MVP candidate on their team too. I mean, they also have Leon Dreisaitl there. So it's not like you're, uh, you know, you're, you've got McDavid, you know, and only McDavid, uh, you know, just carrying the team on his back, although he is kind of doing that right now, but you know, Dreisaitl's there too. So you have two generational talents and you're wasting their prime years by, by not putting, again, we're not saying you need to acquire, Andre Vasilevsky uh, or, uh, or, or somebody else, but, you know, get a much uh, passable goalie in there. Someone who's capable of going on a run. Uh, you've seen the best of Mike Smith. There's no like genie in a bottle waiting to come out there. Uh, like the, he's not going to catch fire. Uh, he is what he is. Uh, but you've seen so many teams go on runs because they, they picked up a capable goalie who is, uh, you know, who can go on a run. Uh, even, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, Dallas, look what they did in the postseason. You know, when you have a, a, a capable goaltender, it makes all the difference in the world. And I mean, you know, we were just talking about Bruins fans and, and you know, their vitriol towards uh, management. Uh, I can't believe you didn't do better for Patrice Bergeron. Hey, listen, they gave them one of the best goaltenders in the, in the world for, uh, for a long time in Tuka Rask, thoroughly underappreciated, as everyone who listens to this show knows we feel. Uh, so if you're an Oilers fan, I mean, I'd be, I'd be picketing outside like the the team offices saying, can you please, like, there's no way that you can't like, do we have someone in the, uh, in the minors, uh, like someone who we drafted recently? Like if I am Edmonton, I'm drafting a goalie rounds one through seven, just draft nothing but goaltenders and just hope that one of them is the guy because Mike Smith is not that guy. Uh, like uh, scout other teams goalies like see if you uh, even if you've been able to to snag uh you know uh, anyone who uh, you know, a team has a surplus of goalies uh, i just i don't understand why you're going out there and uh, you continue to throw mike smith out in playoff series and again that game one it was over before and it, it, 
miraculously Edmonton tied that game at six to six, but I mean, it was six to two at one point because they couldn't get any traction. Uh, even Koskinen, when he came in, like he was just as much of a sieve. Uh, it was just ridiculous. Uh, Hales, I know that, uh, that, you know, you've been on call, so you haven't been able to watch uh, these late night games uh, in, in Edmonton, but uh, goals are being scored like crazy. It's nuts. Do you think Edmonton, uh, based on what you know, we've even described, has any shot, even if McDavid continues to go nuclear? Absolutely not. They have zero shot at doing anything with a goalie that terrible. I mean, you literally could probably pick up anybody right now that would be better than letting in three goals in that short amount of time. And the fact that they have let in 12 in two games, I mean, it's insane for playoff hockey, to be honest, to see that many goals. You know, when we're watching the playoffs, sure if it's your team you love a good blowout every now and then but at the same time we want to watch some great hockey we want to watch these games that are coming down to the wire as fans so i mean i'm sure calvary is loving it but edmonton like i hope that they seriously look at seriously look at their goalie situation after because they're not making it any further yeah, and I mean, again, look at a team like Carolina. Carolina hasn't even been playing with their top goalie. Freddie Anderson has been out forever, and they threw in Antti Ranta, uh, a career backup, and he played well enough to beat uh, to beat Boston. He's now up uh, two games to none on on the Rangers. Uh, you know, neither of those teams are offensive juggernauts, but uh, but you know, they they have capable scorers on those teams, and he has played at a fantastic level. Uh, like. And that was something that Carolina just brought in this past offseason. We're looking at like back-to-back offseasons where uh, Edmonton said, hey, let's just, I, we can't quit you, Mike Smith. Like, like, how do you just go back to the well here uh, over and over? Uh, like, shake things up. Uh, you know, bring in somebody else. Again, you have seen the best that he could possibly provide you. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So I, I'm glad that Mike brought this up because I, you have a strong core there in Edmonton. And uh, this is actually the, the farthest they've gone uh, at, at recently, actually winning, uh, you know, a, a playoff series. That's an accomplishment for them, but it's because they had their, uh, you know, their scores go nuclear against a fairly inexperienced and inferior Kings roster. Like the Kings still took them seven, despite, uh, you know, how loaded uh, Edmonton is. So, you know, playing against a team like Calgary, where we were shocked, uh, you know, got taken to seven against Dallas again, you know, Ottinger just stood on his head and made that happen. But uh, Calgary is just a vastly, vastly superior team. I'd be floored if, uh, you know, if, if they managed to, uh, to, to advance to the conference finals, because uh, it, they just, no matter what they do, they just cannot overcome this horrid goaltending. Uh, it, it's just, it's just the worst. Um, so I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go back over to, uh, to Haley next uh, and see, uh, you know, what she had to, uh, to lead the conversation on here before uh, I hit my topic. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm literally just walking into my apartment. Um, so, oh, knocking things over as well. Um, so my topic kind of center on, centers around women in sports, again, because who am I if not talking about those things? But in a country where it seems like we hate women for some reason, uh, sports, they are doing some great things. So I don't know if anybody saw the equal pay for women's soccer, which is amazing. I, I saw an article, I think it was this morning, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, but Chloe Primerano became the first women's skater drafted by the CHL. And I think she's 15. She's pretty young. So it's just really cool to really see those things, these news stories and these headlines all coming out around one another and, you know, getting more and more, hopefully female viewers and female hockey players getting into like the PHF and stuff like that and really expanding these leagues. I mean, we talk about it all the time because we're obviously a PHF podcast over here, Boston Pride. Um, and we just want to keep seeing them expand and, and women's hockey explode. And so I'm hoping that with this monumental equal pay with women's soccer that, you know, this stuff is going to bleed into these other women's sports like hockey as well. And I hope sooner rather than later, women's hockey players will, can make a living playing hockey and not have to have secondary jobs unless they want it. Yeah. Very well said Haley. And, and obviously we've, we've discussed the, uh, you know, the, the $25 million investment into the PHF um, so that uh, the players can make a, a much higher salary than they were before. 
And I, I have enjoyed seeing some of the, you know, the, the, the headlines on Twitter where you're actually seeing, uh, you know, uh, players signing with new teams and you're seeing terms that you're like, okay, you know, there, you know, a hundred thousand dollars is, you know, not uh, remotely close to NHL money, uh, but you know, players are, are being paid a wage where that can be their primary source of income. Um, I was actually, I was texting Mike the other day. I had, I had no clue that Allie Thunstrom, uh, his girl, had signed with the Boston Pride. Uh, uh, so, like that, that was a big pickup for them. Uh, but it, you, you got to see uh, more progress made on this front, and that equal pay for uh, for you know U.S. soccer was was tremendous. And you know, hopefully, the investment keeps being poured into the PHF as they see it's a a, a league with so much talent. Um, and again, when the the money is there the talent is going to flock there as well. Uh, you know, you're going to see more and more uh, w- women players uh, from college programs looking to play in the PHF as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, looking, uh, you know, maybe overseas or looking, uh, you know, to, for other means uh, you know, of employment. Uh, you're going to drive more talent to your league that way. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, in the words of Jerry Maguire, show me the money, uh, you know, show these players the money. Uh, Lauren, I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, on, you know, on, what's what's happening right now uh you know both in the phf and this you know overall uh, women's hockey that's to haley's point yeah i mean this is how you grow women's sports is investing in them paying them what they're worth i mean you look at the women's soccer team and they should have been getting this pay a long time ago oh way over the men um but this is somebody taking a chance on women's sports paying them what a what they're worth and b what what they should be paid in order to help grow this game for them, for fans and for, for women's sports as a whole. Hopefully we see this kind of be the first shoe to drop or the first domino to fall where you can have this kind of same impact on other women's sports. I mean, women's hockey players, they, they should be paid a hell of a lot more and they're making steps to make that happen, which is fantastic. And like I said, hopefully this is just the first step in what's going to be a major development for women's sports because the more you invest in them, the more money they're going to bring in, the more you can pay them, the more you're able to put really good product out there. There's already amazing product in women's sports on the ice, on the basketball court, soccer field, but the more you make it accessible, again, then that's going to bring in more revenue. Like it's all about growing it and making it accessible to fans, but this is a really good first step and I hope others follow. Yeah, accessibility and welcoming, you know, be, being welcoming is another great point too, because, you know, you did see with uh, the Metropolitan Riveters recently, uh, you know, they, they hired Digit Murphy. Um, Digit Murphy does not have uh, the greatest past in terms of groups that she supports. Um, in fact, it's a very bad association that she has and groups that she su- uh, supports. Uh, and you saw a little bit of an exodus from that organization. So that's not the message you want to send, you know, on the heels of a great investment and, uh, and you know, uh, offering more pay to players. You don't want to bring in someone who has some, uh, some you know, pretty backwards views, um, especially when uh, you know, it comes to, uh, you know, the athletes who could be playing uh, in your league. So I think accessibility and, you know, being welcoming is just as important. I think it's a great point, Lauren. Um, Mike, I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, on this matter as well. Listen, I, I completely agree. Pay parity should be the rule, not the exception, uh, across genders in these, uh, you know, I mean, in specifically in when it's team USA's, I mean, it just makes sense. It's, it would be ridiculous for it not to be, uh, but even I would say as much as you can in professional leagues as well, these are professionals who are doing this. Um, the same as they are in in the men's leagues with that said even to go above it a lot of times like the women's teams are the ones who who bring home the gold across all sports the women's basketball team always outplays these dream teams the um, women's soccer team wins gold the men's team doesn't even make it to the world cup some years the usa baseball team is barely anything when you get to the um to the olympics and things like that the women's softball team always wins the women's hockey team again top of the world the hockey team the men's hockey team uh, you know kind of so even if it wasn't just the rule you know the rule that there should be parity the women's teams outperform the men's teams across the board the phf i'm you know obviously mark you brought up the digit murphy at the end there but you know other than that i do think they're doing a lot of good things um that 
that move obviously, of course, upsets me. I, I was really excited the other night to follow along. I wasn't able to watch it, but they had their awards show the other night where, you know, they gave out the MVP, the newcomer of the year, goaltender of the year, defense, defense player of the year. And it was just a really nice event. They were live tweeting through it. Um, my girl, Allie Thunstrom, who I, I don't think her deal with Boston is official yet. So I'm, I'm just crossing my fingers until I see it. Um, you know, until, until I see her Wikipedia page change to say that she's a Boston pride. Uh, she came, she came in second in the voting for MVP behind Kennedy Marchment, um, which would, I, that's probably who I would have voted for too. Uh, uh, but then the pride actually had the number three in the voting as well with um, Wentz. Um, but it's just the, the league is ready to take off right now, pay them what they're worth across sports, not just in the PHF, not just in women's hockey. Um, let's, let's, let's have ourselves a society here, folks. Yeah, I, I will say sometimes social media can be a little bit of a tell. The pride did give Allie funds from a follow on Twitter. So, um, I, the, the official, official, uh, word has not come down yet. I, I think it's, uh, I think it seems like a done deal. Maybe, maybe it's waiting on a physical, um, you know, that, uh, most deals usually, uh, need to be completed with a physical, but yeah, it's, it's a, another great point, Mike, where, you know, U S women's teams, uh, across sports seem to outperform the men's pretty consistently, especially I mean, in soccer, it's not, not even a contest in the U S men, them making it out of like the initial stage in world cup play is like a huge accomplishment. Whereas the U S women have won multiple world cups uh, and the coverage is not the same. Uh, the pay until now has not been the same. Um, and, you know, these, these are, are, you know, revenue draws uh, and especially with the new PHF uh, TV deal uh, there's revenue coming in and now we're seeing the money is, uh, is, is coming as well. So hopefully that becomes a constant, uh, you know, equal pay is, something that still isn't happening in the, the workforce in general. Um, uh, but, you know, especially not in sports and, you know, are we ever going to be in a, in a perfect world? I'm a little jaded, so I, I don't think that, that we will be, but if we can keep getting closer um, you know, it, it, that would just be tremendous. So I, I think it's a great point to bring up Haley uh, and it's great to see it happen in soccer. Uh, you know, that that's a landmark story. It really is. And it needs to be happening across sports. And again, across our world in general, where, where you are paid the same amount of money for, uh, for doing the same work or better work, uh, regardless of gender. Uh, the fact that in the year of our Lord, 2022, uh, that is, uh, that's still not the reality across the board is just ridiculous. Um, so um, we, uh, we really hope to see more continued growth uh, in the PHF uh, and across women's sports, uh, especially. Uh, and, and I think it's, a, it's a, again, a great topic to present. So thank you, Haley. As for myself, what I wanted to, to bring up was, once again, the Florida Panthers. Uh, I have to bring this up because it, it's fairly related to what Mike brought up earlier with, with Mike Smith and Edmonton. How can you continue to hitch your wagon to Sergei Bobrovsky? And I know in this particular series, Bobrovsky hasn't necessarily been the problem, but you need a goalie who can really stand on his head when you know your team's not scoring, I mean, look at uh, look at Markstrom over there in uh, in Calgary. Uh, you know they were getting Ottinger'd uh, for, for the majority of the first round, and he was able to stand on his head and and get them to round two. And I'm sorry, some of these goals that Bobrovsky has let up, he hasn't let up many, but the ones that he has let up, I'm like, my God, man, you're you're ten feet out of the net. Like what, what's going on? Uh, so I'm very, very frustrated with the, with the Florida Panthers right now. And I, I, I wanted to, to talk about it because I just, I'm so frustrated. It's not just my anti-Tampa Bay bias. I just think this is a, a Florida team that's up and coming. Uh, you know, Claude Giroux spurned the Bruins uh, to go to this team. And, uh, and you know, now they're going to lose to Tampa. Uh, I just, I have no faith that they're going to come back. I really don't. Uh, and I, I just think once again, why are teams so so lazy when it comes to trying to improve their goaltending situation i know that in the case of vasilevsky he has a big contract but there are constantly teams that are willing to absorb money to be compliant because some of them you know need to get to the salary cap floor because they're just not competitive programs i'm looking at you arizona um so you could move vasilevsky you know even uh you know contribute uh, you know retain some salary and bring in 
uh, a goalie who can help you out. And, and they have Spencer Knight. Maybe they think Spencer Knight's not quite ready for prime time. I've seen enough of Spencer Knight to think, yeah, he is an upgrade over uh, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, I'm, I, I'm mixing up my goalies. W- one is uh, very much not an upgrade. Uh, Bobrovsky, I just, I cannot stand watching him in net. Uh, and it has been, it, it's been tough to see Florida lose these first two games. And in general, uh, I think this was a team that, that I thought was worth getting behind. Uh, they also have a far worse power play than the Bruins ever could have dreamed of having. Uh, they're like 0 for 28, I think, on the, on the power play recently. I mean, this Florida team looks broken. They look dead in the water. Uh, and I want to know from my linemates, do you think Florida can come back? Are they capable of beating the two-time defending champs four out of five games? Because that's what you're, they're going to have to do now in order uh, to get this done. And again, they, they, they lost two games at home. Uh, now they got to go to Tampa. Not that that's a a long trip first and foremost, or some sort of raucous environment. But uh, I, I think that the fans uh, do create enough of a home ice advantage that, uh, that I, I'm not sure they can get back into the series, especially not with uh, Bobrovsky and net. Uh, so Lauren, I'd love to start with you first. You know, what have you made of, of this series? Again, a little bit lower scoring, but can Tampa be stopped at this point? It just seems like they're on a collision course with your abs. Yeah, I don't know. And it, again, it's, I know that I said earlier that one, player does not win you games but when you when you need I mean when you are playing for a Stanley Cup you're on the NHL's biggest stage you need a reliable goaltender especially if you're going against someone like Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Lightning they are a strong team and they have incredible goaltending it's going to take a lot to beat Vasilevsky but if you can keep pace with them then that's fine but the you're not going to do that without good goaltending. You need your goalie to steal you a game, to make that timely save. Bruins fans know that all too well. And I thought, I mean, I thought for sure that the Panthers were going to win this series, but now after watching the last couple of games, I'm like, I don't know. Like this is, I don't want to call it ugly, but it's almost defeating because it's, I, I don't want to see Tampa advance for a number of reasons. And it's like the McDavid thing where you have a, a good team in front of you, go get a reliable goalie and stop putting all this pressure on Bobrovsky. Maybe he just can't handle it. Maybe he's not a Stanley cup slash playoff goalie, but I don't know. It's I, the Panthers are fun to watch this year. They were a lot of fun to kind of cheer for and to see it, hopefully not, but to see it come to come down like this, it's just like, well, they could have fixed their goaltending at the deadline, but they decided not to. Yeah, I mean, what happened to the comeback cats? Like, that, that, that was like the whole theme, the second half of the season, especially uh, coming back from large deficits. Now, you know, they're in, in, in tight, low-scoring games, and they can't manage to get any offense. Uh, and, you know, they, they can't manage to, uh, to, to clean things up in their own end at the, the, the end of periods. Uh, again, giving up that goal with uh, three and a half seconds left, I mean, that's hard to come back from. I would be, I'm very interested to see how they react to that tonight. Uh, and uh, you know, being on the road, especially not that it's much of a road trip again, but you, you are in another team's arena. Uh, you know, can you come out and get a couple quick ones on, on Vasilevsky? Uh, you know, can Bobrovsky stand in his head? Uh, you know, can, can he pitch a shutout? You know, can he pitch a shutout against this lightning team? That's what I think could really get them back into the series put a little bit of doubt into this lightning team's head because there's just none right now that the team that that was very confident that they would be able to come back against toronto like i don't think they had a, a drop of of sweat uh thinking that they could come back against toronto and they certainly don't fear this uh this florida team despite you know the fact they finished with 122 points there's no fear there so how do you inject some fear uh, I, don't, I don't know mike uh, you know what have been your thoughts on this series so far and again just the lack of, of, you know, addressing your goaltending situation. And in this case, you might have someone better on your roster. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's slow down a minute. <laughs> um, no, as the, as the resident Florida Panthers stand here, because I picked them to make it to the Stanley cup at the end of last season, I got to stand up for goalie Bob a little bit here. Um, he was the third star the other night in a loss. He played a pretty good game two to one against the defending champs. Um, I, I don't see it quite like the Mike Smith situation. Mike Smith is a journeyman goaltender who you're trying to put on a team with the greatest hockey player on the planet. 
and that's your solution. Bobrovsky is a two-time Vezina winner. He's he's a good goalie. He's he's he doesn't have the defense in front of him too. I mean, that was one of the things that I've been saying all season. Uh, like they tried to um they tried to address it a little bit with uh, trading for Sherratt at the trade deadline, um, but they just they have a they're a one-dimensional team a team that's just like, we're going to go out there and we're going to outscore you every night, just like what um, what Edmonton's trying to do. And the, the reality is in the playoffs, you can't do that. You can't do that when you're playing against Andre Vasilevsky because he is the greatest goalie in the world right now. And there are nights where you need to win that two to one game. And I don't, you know, I don't put all of the, the um, blame on not, not moving on from Bob because he played a good game the other night. Now he, he kind of fell apart at the end of game one, which, you know, that, I, I guess that could speak to your maybe you know, maybe he's not playoff ready or he's not tested enough. Um, but neither is Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight is your future. So I guess they probably were thinking we're not trying to, to mortgage anything to get an, you know, a, a goaltender for the stretch run when we have, a very good goaltender. Cause I don't think Bob is bad. I think he is. I mean, again, he's a two-time Vezina winner. He has been around the block. Um, obviously he hadn't had a, a huge amount of success in um, Columbus, but he's, you know, he's a guy who could get you there. He could get you hot. He could get hot and he could stand on his head and he can win, win you some series is <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a word. It sounds, it sounds weird in my head. Um, could win you a series or two. Um, and what, what they really needed to do, they needed to make a bigger commitment to their blue line because they don't have, you know, they have Ekblad, they have Sherrod, who they did trade for. But other than that, they're not a strong defensive team on the blue line. And it's just, it, you can score all the goals in the world, but if you're not giving your goalie any help, then, then it's not a winning strategy. Yeah, I think you make some valid points there, Mike. And, and I certainly wouldn't lump Bobrovsky in with Smith in terms of quantity of goals allowed, uh, for sure. I just, the, the ones that he has allowed, I've just, like, he was, like, a couple times, like, 10 feet out of his net. Like, I sometimes he's got a lot of Tim Thomas to him where I don't know, like, this guy, like, why are you, you know, playing the puck that out of, uh, that aggressively? And sometimes he actually was saved uh, by, you know, by some of those, those defenders, uh, you know, by, you know, clearing the puck away from the net where he was no, nowhere near it. Uh, it, it just, it, it seems like he is very unpredictable uh, in that. And, uh, and, you know, it, more so in that Washington series, he was very leaky in, in that one, but you know, to your point, he has been good enough to win some of these games. And, you know, that blue line is fairly inexperienced there in Florida. So it, we'll have to see if they can, uh, if they can turn it around. And, and Tim Thomas won us a cup. You know, so <laughs> as Bruins fans never uh, let Tuka Rask forget. Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes you catch fire uh, playing that way. Uh, Tim Thomas certainly did in 2011. To this point, it doesn't look like Bobrovsky's going to, but who knows? Maybe they have a, a comeback in them. Uh, Hales, you know, you have again two former Flyers in this series uh, for uh, Claude Giroux and also Bobrovsky, also a former Flyer. Uh, you know, do you think? that Philly energy is going to, to manifest itself in the form of, of a big comeback. They've done it before. Honestly, I feel like the Philly energy is the choking because that's what happened in the COVID uh, cup was they were doing real well in the beginning. Carter Hart was pretty much unstoppable at first. And then it was just like, wah, 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 gone. And then the next few years just been terrible. So I feel like Claude Giroux just has some really terrible luck at this point because, you know, he switched teams to go to a cup because he was not going to do that with the Flyers at all, ever. Like I would hope maybe in the next 10 years, but at this point I've got to just keep yelling at them for them to play well. And that's still uh, iffy. I want to say that they can pull it off, but honestly, if they lost the first two at home, then that, I feel like that is, kind of a tell that they may not but at the same time they've been playing such incredible hockey throughout the season that maybe they can turn it around maybe they can win their away games I hope so because I hate Tampa Bay and I just want to see Tampa Bay go out and not go any further even though I'm not the biggest Florida Panthers, Panthers fan either I am rooting for Claude Drew and so 
I, I don't know. I feel like the Philly curse followed him, to be honest. It's, it's possible. It's certainly possible. I mean, th- that losing a game with 3.6 seconds left in regulation, I think, is far more crushing than just losing a game in overtime. Like, it'd be one thing like, oh, you know, they got to bounce in overtime. We'll see if we can, uh, you know, come back from it. But when, when, you, <laughs> when you're like, I'm like getting ready to so like, I'm like, okay, who am I going to send my picks to Butchie Gross to for, uh, for the, the OT challenge? Oh, no, they, they scored with three and a half seconds left. That's just, it's crushing. That just, to me, seems like a sign. Like, it's just, it's not their year. And once again, Tampa just, for the last three years running, they just have uh, all this luck ever since uh, they, uh, they got swept at the hands of Sergei Bobrovsky and uh, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, it it, uh, it looks like uh, they just uh, they just have uh, like I was saying that they have the the luck of the Irish on their side. I don't know. Um, is Pat Maroon Irish? That that would explain a lot. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, that's uh, well, uh, I I hope that this series uh, can turn around. But as of right now, it looks like we're you know maybe looking at a, at a Hurricanes and uh, and Lightning Eastern Conference Final and. I'm sorry. I have many problems right now with the hurricanes that I cannot root for them. That that's just another, that's another lesser of two evils series. I don't know who I could possibly pull for in that conference final, because I, I despise the hurricanes right now between the, the bunch of jerks, the, the weird clapping thing uh, where they think they're Iceland at center ice. And in fact, they employ human scumbag, Tony D'Angelo. So uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, the cats are going to have to have a, a, another comeback in them. But I wanted to go around to each of my line mates as we wrap up this episode and have them share their empty netter with us before we wrap things up uh, for the weekend. So, Lauren, I'd love to start with you first. Uh, Evan, empty netter, any closing thoughts for us for this episode? I need everyone to stop what they're doing and tell Roxy happy birthday on Monday. She'll be four and she's going to act, start acting like a big adult dog instead of a big scaredy dog. Um, she's currently dreaming right now. She's like waving around her paws. So she's so excited to party this weekend and just happy birthday to my, my perfect little angel. Happy birthday to Roxy. One of our, our mascots here at, on Snipe and Selly. Happy four, four, fourth birthday. Uh, yeah, we, we're very excited. Uh, it's, it's always great to, to have our four-legged friends. Uh, we, we usually hear from Roxy. We hear from, uh, from Pepper. We hear from Atticus. Uh, River is never heard from. She just sleeps. But uh, we are very much a pet podcast here. So happy birthday to Roxy. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Any closing thoughts? Any empty netters for us for this episode? Yeah, I'm going to pick up on two of yours last um, comments. So happy birthday, Roxy. Uh, I'll send you happy birthday again on Monday. And Mark, you mentioned uh, human scumbag Tony D'Angelo, and he is my empty netter today. Miss me with the Tony D'Angelo like rehab tour that the media is trying to do right now. This pissed me off to no end in the Bruins series. They had him mic'd up. They were talking about how much he's going to get paid next year. Like, okay, the guy can play hockey. He's a pretty good hockey player, but he's a dirtbag. Okay. He is a jerk and not in the way that like, you know, Sometimes when you're in the, when you're in a scrum and you give an extra hit, you're, you're a jerk, you know, like he's just a, a, a mean guy. All right. And I don't need ESPN telling me how much I should care about this guy and how he's rehabilitating himself. Now, granted, I'm a criminal defense attorney. So I like, that's what I do on my, on my day job is, you know, defend people, but miss me with Tony D'Angelo. He is a jerk. And I just, I don't need, ESPN telling me that I should care about him and, you know, singing his praises and letting him, um, you know, give his message to the NHL fans of the world uh, mic'd up during the games. It just, it, that's really bothered me. Yeah. I, I have been equally frustrated by that, Mike. It's just, it is ridiculous. The like, Oh, you know, Tony D'Angelo is making the most of his second chance. His second chance he lost his first job because uh, he was a deplorable human being and also an awful teammate. Uh, you got to be pretty bad to, to get a teammate pissed off you to the point where they punch you out in the locker room. Uh, hockey players are some of the most like mellow people uh, and, and great guys around. So if you piss off one of your teammates to the point where uh, you know, they punch you out in the locker room, uh, you're not very well liked. So yeah, 
I agree. Miss me with the, uh, oh, you know, a redemption for him. He's going to get paid. Yeah, he's going to get paid by a team because he is uh, a skilled offensive uh, defenseman. Uh, He's horrible in his own end, by the way. Uh, So, you know, double-edged sword there. But yeah, do you want that? uh, Do you want to promote that uh, uh, on your team? Uh, Do you want, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that being a role model to the young viewers in your market? Those are the things you have to weigh. So, yeah, I agree, Mike. Missed me with that uh, redemption tour for Tony D'Angelo. Scumbag. Hales, how about yourself? Any empty netter, any closing thoughts for us for this episode? Pepper says happy birthday to Roxy. She's excited for her. Pepper's isn't until December, so Pepper's going to celebrate Roxy this month. Um, And also, just want to shout out Christian. She's our... Uh, nerd pod host she's my best friend if you guys didn't know that already almost 16 years be 16 years in October but she's being super sweet uh she bought me a little like nothing bunt cake yesterday with a little five candle for my five days divorced and she planned something fun for this afternoon but she won't tell me what it is so I'm really excited and just shout out to her being such a great friend tune in to next week's episode where we find out exactly <laughs> what uh what it is that Christian had planned for Haley you now uh uh, we're very, uh, we, we all love Christian. So, uh, I hope that you guys have a ton of fun this weekend, uh, for sure. As for myself, my empty netter is hockey media. Sometimes you need to just step back and take a chill pill. And this is in relation to the reaction to Brady Kachuk being an awesome supportive brother and also, a, a absolute riot. Uh, just going and, and slugging beers in the stands, uh, rooting for his brother, Matthew, uh, the Kachuk's, uh, you know, hockey royalty, uh, Keith, Keith, uh, Keith Kachuk, uh, you know, pride of Worcester, Mass, um, was a, um, a, you know, a tremendous player and his kids are, are making an impact in the NHL. But yeah, Brady Kachuk, uh, you know, his Ottawa Senators are not going to be good anytime soon. And he is living vicariously through his brother. And he's, uh, he's high-fiving people in the stands. He's slugging beers. Uh, you know, he's being, he's wearing Calgary gear. He's being supportive. And the fact that this is being called out by some hockey media types, I mean, give me a break. Were you an only child? Like, is that the problem? Do you not understand what it is to like, to be a supportive brother? I was the first person to go to my brother's games and threaten to fight someone on their behalf. Uh, like I, I was always living vicariously through their, their games. And I can, so I am completely pro Brady Kachuk here. Live your best life. Uh, because guess what? If the senators make a run, Matthew's going to do the same thing for him. You know, he's going to be a supportive brother. So uh, I just think it's so weird. The reaction that the hockey media has had to the Kachuks, uh, you know, living it up uh, and, uh, and supporting Matthew. I mean, get over yourselves. Uh, you know, some things are bigger than sports appreciate a brother who is supportive and, uh, and just wants to, you know, make sure that, uh, that he's having a good time supporting his own, his own brother. So uh, just enough. Uh, so that, that, uh, that's my, I started and ended this show with rants. Uh, so I, I bookended this episode with some rants uh, and also shout out to uh, AJ, who is one of our biggest uh, supporters uh, and one of our, uh, our biggest fans and he listens every week. So uh, we wanted to give him a nice shout out. We were supposed to do it last week, but I, uh, I forgot because I'm an idiot. Uh, so shout out to AJ. Uh, thank you so much for supporting uh, Snipe and Sally. You're the man. I wanted to go around to each of my line mates and have them share with our listeners where they can be found online. Lauren, as always, we'll start with you with the long laundry list of places you can be found. You can find me on Twitter and other social medias at la 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 Lauren, three laws Lauren with four R's. Find all of my written work on Nesson.com. Still some Bruins stuff, but my, the shift has kind of gone over to Red Sox. Um, Nesson Bruins pod is on hiatus until probably the draft and some any big off-season news as well. And then regular season will be back to once a week. And you can hear the Locked On Red Sox pod, me hosting the Locked On Red Sox podcast Monday through Friday. They're finally starting to play better. So it is a lot more fun to talk about them. Yeah, thank God the Bruins timed uh, their exit with the Red Sox uh, starting to to heat up offensively. Uh, uh, And, you know, shout out to uh, Mike's nephew who may have single-handedly, you know, turned Trevor Story's season around as well. So thank God Lauren has some fun baseball to discuss on Locked on Red Sox for once. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Where can uh, you be found online? Uh, You can find me on Twitter. Uh, Most social media is at Mike Roderick SD. I was going to say my current Twitter thing is just retweeting my nephew who is 
calling every Trevor Story home run. He called the first one, then he did it again about a week later. Then he went to the game and was sitting right behind the Red Sox on deck circle, talked to Trevor before all three of his home runs. He wasn't there when he hit the grand slam, but I think it's just sort of, he gave him the confidence he needed. So I'm just sort of simping for my nephew, um, you know, who's, who's turning the Red Sox season around. He actually told me about two weeks ago that they were about to go on a run. So I trust in him. Uh, Maya, that's where you can find me. I'm also thinking about doing some writing about the upcoming Supreme Court decisions. Um, not hockey related, but there's a lot going on in that arena right now. And I think I need to talk about it. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So give Mike a follow at Mike Roderick SD on Twitter. Uh, he can be found there. Uh, and yeah, uh, like I said, his, his nephew has, uh, has, is, is the, uh, the Trevor story whisperer. So uh, if you're listening to this pod right now, Trevor story just homered again, um, most likely. Um, so uh, Hales about yourself, where can you be found online? You can find me at CSI Haley on Twitter and Instagram at CSI Haley 91 on TikTok. And then you can find the two shows that I co-host at Girls Gridiron on Twitter, Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram, at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter, Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram. Make sure you're following at For the Fans Media on everything, all the above, and ForTheFansMedia.com. Make sure you're subscribed so that you can read that awesome article by Mark, by Mike, sorry. And I'm really excited for it because it's a very hot topic that a lot of us uh, definitely want to read about. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, we look, we look forward to that. So definitely check out for the fans like Haley pointed out uh, as for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli 13. That is P I S E L L I. I'm in full Celtics mode at the moment. Uh, you can, I, I spent most of the last couple of days uh, defending Derek white for attending the birth of his child. Apparently Celtics fans had an issue with him not playing in a game and instead going to the birth of his first child uh, who is named Hendricks. That's the second Celtics uh, child to be named Hendricks in the last year. Uh, Robert Williams' son was also named Hendricks. So uh, we're just naming uh, Celtics children after uh, legendary rock and roll uh, artists and uh, winning titles. So uh, let's go Celtics. Uh, but that's going to do it for us on this episode. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. Please share Snipe and Selly with the hockey fans in your life. And until the next time we all get together, enjoy the action on the ice, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.